You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. A fire in the right place at the right time can be of an invaluable assistance. It can keep you warm. It can be helpful to to cook things. However, this same fire in the wrong place at the wrong time can be very destructive, very harmful, and do irreparable damage. And the subject that we're going to address this morning is just like this fire. Right place, right time, right motives, it's a great thing. Wrong place, wrong time, it can be of great harm. And put another way, this knife in the hands of a wonderful uh, chef can do great things and can carve up wonderful, wonderful fruits and vegetables and make a dish so palatable looking and inviting to dig your teeth into. But this knife in the wrong hands at the wrong time can create destruction and can kill the power of our tongues, we can maim and hurt people even with our knife of our tongue. So important for us to understand that it can be used for good as well as evil. And the topic we're going to talk about today, I can almost guarantee that every single person in this room has experienced it from time to time. It's touched the lives of family members, employer, employees, parents, church members, But it's a topic that is rarely talked about. And the topic is criticism. Now, was I right? Is there anybody in this room who has ever received criticism? Put your hand up if you have. Well, look at that. We're all in good company. We have all experienced this from one time in our life. But you know what? Relax. You're in good company. Because not only have all of us experienced criticism... But Jesus, who was the perfect person, who never said anything wrong, who never talked out of turn, I ask you, did he receive criticism? You bet. Who did he receive criticism from? Well, obviously, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were all over him all the time. Yes. His family even criticized him. There's times when his brothers and, and sisters would Uh, say something about him that was derogatory. And even his inner circle, even the disciples went at him and said, Jesus, where were you? And what are you doing spending this money? And what are you doing putting perfume on your, uh, letting that lady put perfume on your feet? So even the perfect one received criticism. So we shouldn't really feel so bad if from time to time we get it. What do you think, eh? That's right. So what is criticism? You'll see the definition on the screen. It's really a judgment. A judge is one who observes evidence, evaluates, draws conclusions, and then expresses them. Now, everybody needs a balance of positive and negative criticism. So, positive criticism, just like it sounds, it identifies strengths, accomplishments, satisfactory achievement, and we all need a steady dose of positive criticism. Romans 14, 19 says, So then let us pursue the things that are for peace and the building up of one another. In other words, 
positive affirmation. Celeste Holmes says, we live by encouragement and die without it. And then, of course, there's negative criticism. Obviously, it does the opposite. It evaluates weaknesses, mistakes, unsatisfactory achievement. But this can also be very constructive. It doesn't have to be a hurtful thing. If it's based on valid evidence, it's expressed in a loving way, it can help us see our flaws and our blind spots, and it can actually help us to grow. However, negative criticism can also be destructive, like what we were talking about with the knife. If it's behind someone's back and they're gossiping, that is not constructive. 1 Timothy 5.13 says, he denounces gossips and busybodies, saying we should not do that, period. And then there's another kind of destructive negative criticism, and that's slashing. That's when somebody does it to your face and tears a strip off you. How many of you experienced that from time to time? And you know what? There have been times when someone has done that to me, and when they're walking away, I, I feel like saying, I wish you would have just hauled off and hit me a good one. Because your words have injured me just as much as if they lambasted me with a fist or a kick. I'm sure you know what I mean. And Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is one who speaks like the thrust of a sword. Have you ever felt that sword before? Yeah, I have. So we're going to give you some rules, first of all, on how to express um, criticism in a God-honoring way. Number one. Obviously, before you open up your mouth, you have to learn to pray. You have to stop and ask the Lord to control your expression of this negative observation and criticism you're about to share with someone. And help you to pray in this fashion that you would say, Lord, before I could express my constructive uh, you know, um, insights with this person, prevent me from sowing discord between our relationship. And especially among the brethren, because just like your natural family, have you ever had peace all of your life with your brothers, your sisters, your mother, and your father? Nope. No, we've had disagreements with our father and our mother. We've had disagreements with our brothers and sisters. And so if we want to share an observation about what they're doing that's not healthy and right, we need to pray and say, Lord, control my heart, control my tongue. Discuss your thoughts of criticism of that person with the Lord in prayer. And say, Lord, are these the right words that I'm sharing? Is this the right timing, Lord? Help me to have the right motive in sharing my observation with this individual. You know what the Bible says in Psalm 19 verse 14? Write it down. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart or the thoughts of my heart be acceptable and pleasing to you, Lord. Isn't that a good prayer to pray yeah. before you open up your big mouth? <laughs> right? And so you need to pray about it. And I think Proverbs 18 verse 21 says it well. Death and life lie in the power of the tongue. Isn't that true? You know? So pray. Say, Lord, allow me to use my words wisely that come from my heart. Because the moment you open up your mouth, your heart is revealed. Right? So important to pray. Ask God first. Give me wisdom. Rule two and three go together. First, we are to go directly and privately. Matthew 18, 15 gives us direction in this regard. It says, if your brother or sister sins against you, go and tell them their fault 
between you and you alone. Nobody likes to be criticized in front of someone else, do they? So true. If, whether you've got criticism for your husband, your uh, a fellow employee, even your child. I remember one time I was in the shopping mall, and this lady was very loudly criticizing her child, which maybe needed some correction. But I felt sorry for the child. He was standing there like this. The whole shopping mall was hearing this conversation. I felt she wasn't treating that child with respect. Did she need to say what she needed to say? Yes. Pull the child aside quietly. When we were raising our kids, I refused to uh, discipline them in front of others, and I would go like this. And they knew when I said like this, I had a very special message for them. Oh, when we went to get the attention, we go, <laughs> and they'd look, and we got the attention, didn't we? But I respected them. I took them aside. And so same with the people that you deal with in your life. If you have some legitimate concerns, no problem. But treat them with respect. Go privately and go directly. Some of the things we talked about yesterday at the seminar, prepare the setting, turn off the, the um, uh, cell phone, consider the timing. Are they hungry? Are they angry? Are they tired? They're probably not going to hear your words if you have not spoken to them at a time that is appropriate. I remember sometimes when we were pastoring, Simon would be just ready to come up on the platform for a service, and somebody would catch him in the hall and say, oh, pastor, I need to talk to you about this. And I thought, please don't do that. You just took him off his game. He was all prepped. He was ready for the service. And then all of a sudden, he had to sort of say, okay, I'll deal with that later. So ask yourself, if I have something important to say to someone, go privately and go directly. And then rule number four. Lead with positive questions. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 11 says this, A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. We need to choose our words wisely before we go and confront somebody about something. And we can do that by asking questions carefully. Because when you ask sincere questions of a person before you make a judgment of them, you'll find out more information you know, from that person as to why they did that or why they said that. So you'll learn where they're coming from when you lead with questions. Get their side of the story, their side of the perspective. True story is told of a father who was uh, flying home from Toronto with his three children to BC. And on the plane, while he was with his children, his children became very rambunctious during the flight. The father had his uh, face uh, in his hand and was looking out of the plane window and uh, he was just kind of meditating, looking there and the kids were just wild beside him and a passenger beside on the opposite side of the uh, uh, walkway just uh, belted out into this father's face, sir, what's wrong with you? Can't you take care of your kids? They're disturbing me on the plane. And the father looked at the man and he said, I am so sorry, sir, but my mind was so far away from the moment right here with my kids. I apologize. I will get them under control. But right now, you need to know where my mind was. My wife is below in this plane having died of a heart attack in Toronto, and we are flying her body home to BC to bury her. And my mind was upon getting ready for a funeral, taking care of my kids, what was going to happen to their future, and I wasn't focused on my kids. Now, had the person on the other side of the plane asked, sir, is everything okay? Leading with a positive question, mm -hmm. it would have been such a different approach, wouldn't yes. it? Mm -hmm. 
And how many times don't we jump to conclusions about people and judge them before we don't know this story? Our First Nations people have a saying, walk a mile in the, in the moccasins of a First Nations indigenous pe person before you judge them. Right? So important that you get to know this story by following up with lead questions. Key. Rule five, double check your motives. Ask yourself, why am I expressing this negative criticism? Has my ego been hurt? Do I actually really want to embarrass this person? Is my motive retaliation to advance my status, to apparently make me look better? Or am I truly concerned about the person? Am I really giving it with a good heart that I'm telling you this because I want you to be a better person? And sometimes honest answers to those questions can force you to cancel your plans. In other words, zip it. Say, no, I'm not saying this criticism with the right motives, so I better just keep my mouth shut. If it's actually painful for you to criticize, you're probably on the right track. Then rule number six, write it down. Share two positive compliments as well as the criticism. In other words, be sure to share with the person what they are doing right at that moment before you just focus on their failure and their mistakes. So if you want to address something with your husband or your wife, lead with at least two positive you know, compliments first. And I think Jesus kind of sets this out for us in the book of Revelation, remember? In Revelation chapter 2, he speaks through John the Beloved and he says, he says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. You have endured hardships in my name. Yet, now comes the kicker, you have forsaken your first love. See how he compliments them first in Revelation chapter 2, tells them two good things about themselves, and then he says, you have forsaken your first love. It's better to swallow medicine with a little honey than for you to take it down straight. And that's what I think in our everyday relationships. Appreciate people for who they are today and express that positive expressions first and then share with them one or two areas that you have observed that they can improve and they'll take it down. It swallows down much better, doesn't it? Can somebody say amen? amen. All right. Rule so, six. so be honest and give positive and negative uh, information. Rule number seven is speak the truth in love. Now, you can do rule number one, which is pray. You can go directly. You can go privately. You can double check your motives. But if when you go to say what you're going to say, you say it in a loveless cruel and in a mean way your words can bruise and stab and crush so ask yourself am I just venting some hostility sometimes people say well I just have to tell it like it is but really what they're saying is I just want to let some steam off in your direction and I don't care if it's in a loving way or not just suck it up because I just have to tell you what I'm thinking 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is kind. Colossians 4, 6 says, be gracious in your speech. I like what uh, one gentleman said, tact is the knack of making a point without making an enemy. How true is that? So how much of our criticism is actually rooted in jealousy 
impatience. We actually delight in pointing out something that someone's not doing correctly. As we talked about yesterday, you attack the problem, not the person. No name calling, no demeaning words, like what kind of a jerk are you to do something like that? That's attacking the person, that's name calling. You can talk about the incident that the person was doing perhaps not correctly, but not couched in those kinds of words. Avoid things like you should, you never, you always. Rather, I feel, I wish, I need this from you. And of course, tone of voice, body language is so important. For those of you who were with us yesterday, it's not what you say, it's... How you say it. Right on. You are listening. Then number eight, be objective and specific when you address someone with a criticism. And you need to support your criticism with objective evidence rather than subjective opinion. Mm -hmm. Evidence that can be spoken by anyone who observes that life every day. Not just by... uh, your view, but by all others' views, they can say, we see the same issue in that person's life. So we need to do our homework before we open up our mouth and gather some adequate data or evidence or facts and put it on paper because considerable uh, negative criticism flows from people who don't know the facts often and based on their own opinions or years say. So if someone comes to you and they say, well, Pastor, everybody is mad at you in the church. As a pastor, I used to say, can you tell me who's everybody? Well, I can't tell you who everybody is. I say, why not? If they have a valid criticism of my leadership, I want to know who the everybody is so I can go and address it with them and correct my behavior that's offending them. And I push them and I say, I need to know who is everybody. Well, they spoke to me in confidence. Well, who's the who that spoke to you in confidence? We're a body of Christ here. And so then they would say, well, uh, um, uh, it's it's members of of the congregation. Well, what members of the congregation? Well, uh, uh, it's my mom and my sister and me. (laughs) That's everybody in the church. And how many times have churches been split? Because pastors get told, everybody's mad at you. Hey? And so we sow discord when we don't have clear um, evidence that is observed by everybody in the house. And so we want to avoid using the phrase, everybody's mad at you in this family. Everyone's upset at you in this family. When somebody comes to you and says that, you ask them naturally, who's everybody? And they will zip their lip because it's probably just them themselves. Isn't that true? So, so key. Rule number eight, be objective and specific that everybody can notice what that person is doing wrong that's offending people. Rule nine. Earn the right to be heard. That's the only way that your words will actually be respected. If if you've just started a new job and you've been there three days, probably it's not a good idea that you go storming into the boss's office to tell him how to redo his business. (laughs) If you're a student in a classroom and you have not even got to know the teacher yet. It's probably not a good idea to be starting shouting out criticism in front of everybody. I remember one time when we were pastoring, uh, I had a gal who was interested in teaching Sunday school. So I said, how about you come with me into the three-year-old department for a Sunday and just sit in the corner and observe, and this is the area that I'm I'm wanting you to be involved in. Well, after we got out, 
she had a long list of things that she thought that the Sunday school teacher had not done right. And if I was in there, I would have... Now, this was coming from the lips of somebody, A, who wasn't a parent or had never taught Sunday school before. And when I got out, I kind of thought, wow, you have a lot of advice, some of which actually was true and uh, um, was um, uh, accurate. But I didn't feel that she quite had the respect to actually be, to be spouting that off at that point of time. It was too bad that morning. I don't know what happened, whether the kids were all up or like late at night. It was chaotic. I agree. And the teacher was doing the best to try to rope in these three-year-olds who were going crazy. But I didn't feel this person who had never taught before. I thought she was being excessively harsh and verbalizing her criticism when she really, I felt, hadn't earned the right to be heard. And then lastly, number 10, suggest alternatives. I think you need to accompany any criticism with remedial suggestions to the individual you're addressing. Because to blame a person and not suggest a cure or possibly a solution, I find is very immature as a human being. I mean, anybody can point out weaknesses in a person's life, can't they? Right? But it takes creativity on your part to think ahead and suggest solutions. While criticizers are silent when it comes to offering, you know, workable solutions or alternatives, you know, oftentimes we find ourselves reminded of the saying, anybody can curse the darkness, but it takes a wise man and woman to light a candle. Right. Isn't that true? Mm -hmm. So if you are going to be criticizing somebody, always have a positive light suggestion to them of how they can change that behavior. And a useful approach, obviously, is to organize your suggestions in two categories. Start off with the number one and say something like this. May I suggest what you could consider stop doing or start doing? And then number two, could you consider these alternatives? This is a plan, an alternative plan that you can maybe approach this work task, maybe this homework, uh, daughter or son, or maybe you know, this organization in the garage, husband or wife. And, and when you come with that positive alternatives, you become constructive in your opinion. So I like to say it this way. Be on the construction crew, not the wrecking crew. Right. Can somebody say amen? Mm -hmm. Be on, on the construction crew of life, not the wrecking crew. We used to find this from time to time in the ministry. Somebody would come to us with a whole bunch of criticisms. And we would right away say, well, how would you like us to do it better? Or, would you like to be on the committee to help fix this problem? Would you like to donate some money so that you're, you know, we can fix whatever you're doing? And a lot of times the people that were so vocal with all the criticism, they weren't really all that keen on helping to fix it. Or exactly. Or would you like to volunteer to help with that? Yeah. Didn't always happen. All right. Time to review. Please stand. Look at the screen. And let's say the 10 rules for giving constructive negative criticism. Let's say them out loud together. Number one. Pray. Pray. Two. Go directly. Three. Go privately. Four. Lead with positive questions. Five. Double check your motives. Six. Be honest. Seven. Speak the truth in love. Eight. Be objective and specific. Nine. Earn the right to be heard. And ten. Suggest alternatives. Well done. Have a seat. Now we're going to give 10 tips on receiving. 
If you're on the other end of the conversation, what are some godly tips to receive negative criticism? Now, strangely, the people who are the best at giving it sometimes are not so great at receiving it. Their verse is, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You know people like that? Uh, oh, yes, yeah. I, I do too. And how do you notice, have you ever noticed that when they're giving criticism, it's constructive? But when they're receiving criticism, oh, that's destructive. You are hurting me. Negative. Yes. And you know, secure people can take a lot of criticism. If you're in any type of leadership, if you're the boss at work or the team leader or the head of the basketball team at school or in a leadership at church, it's always easier to hit you because you're a leader, you're up, and it's always easier to hit a target. But you know what? If you allow yourself to be in leadership, you have to realize that's just part of the game, yeah. that you are going to be subjected to more criticism, and, and that's, that is just it. You need to develop some thicker skin and realize this is part of the job, but I am going to know how to receive this negative constructive criticism from my colleagues and family. So as in the first set of 10 rules, now the first set in the second uh, 10 rules is learn to pray. When you're on the receiving side or on the giving side at least, ask the Lord to guide you in responding to the criticism you just received from that person. Be sensitive to what uh, you should hear and what should not be heard. And also be strong enough to turn aside from what should not be entertained in your heart. And have the ability to control your temper and your anger. Because what's our natural default when someone criticizes us? We often want to bah, fight back, right? So pray and say, Lord, as I'm receiving this, I don't want to in any way, you know, um, uh, take the time to defend myself. I want to commit myself to learning what rule two is. And that is? Beware of becoming defensive, just like Simon said. Often our very first reaction is self-retaliation and sometimes to say something harsh or mean back. But ask yourself, am I so prideful that I'm quite offended that somebody would actually have something to say negative about me? Do I think I'm that perfect? Do I think I'm above criticism? Like, how dare you criticize me? Maybe you need to take a look in to see your own thoughts. James 1.19 says, be slow to anger. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, don't be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. I like this Chinese proverb that says, if you are patient in a moment of anger, you will escape a hundred days of sorrow. How true. Here's a strategy I shared yesterday, and it bears repeating. I've used this with my children, at church, at work. If somebody gives you some negative, constructive criticism, and it may or may not be in a nice way, regardless, my first reaction sometimes isn't my best. So I've learned this strategy, that when someone shares something with me, I say, thank you very much for sharing that interesting comment. Now, interesting doesn't tell them whether I like it or I don't. That's not the point. I'm not going to commit myself at this point. And I do want to thank them because it takes guts to actually come directly yeah. to the person. That's right. They are risking that you're going to get angry with them. Mm -hmm. And they're willing to, if they've come in with the right motives, they're willing to actually suffer some of your heat because they want to see you do it better and be helpful. So thank them for their interesting insight and say, can I think about that and get back to you? And it may be 
in a few hours or the next day or whenever it's convenient. And what that does is it gives you time to process their words. Take them to the Lord in your devotions and say, did you hear what sister so-and-so said to me? And sometimes the Lord says to me, yeah, mm -hmm, I heard it. And she's right. The reason you're angry is because she's, she's put her finger on something in you that needs to change. Oh, rats, that wasn't exactly what I wanted to hear, Lord. But, hey, you know what? Maybe she is right, and I need to really think about her words. Or maybe when you uh, process her words, you understand that maybe she doesn't have a piece of the puzzle. Maybe there's some backstory she doesn't know. And if you were to give her that information, she would totally see the situation in a different way. So when I revisit that conversation with the individual, where is my emotional energy? Is it here in retaliation mode? No. I've processed it. And I might go back and say, you know what, sister? Thank you for sharing that comment. I thought about it, and you are 100% right. I could have done that better, or I talked out of turn, and I really appreciate you pointing that out to me. I'm going to do better next time. Is that a good conversation? No. Yeah. Have I lost a friend? No. Nope. Or I could say to her, you know what, I think there's part of the puzzle you don't know. And if I share that to you with you, I think you'll understand why I acted the way I did. And oftentimes when you give that other information, they say, oh, I made an assumption. I didn't know that's why you were doing it. And often once they get that piece, they go, ah, totally understand. Please, I will redirect my words or rework my words because obviously my criticism was unfounded. 1 Peter 3, 9 says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when people say unkind things for you, to you. If you're in some kind of a meeting and you feel like you're going to lose it and you feel like you're going to, uh, you know, your, your temper is not going to be controlled, sometimes it's just best to excuse yourself from the room for a minute. Go outside, count to 10, take a breath of fresh air, say, Lord, when I go back in there, Help me to keep myself together. But don't leave stomping your feet. No. Ah. No, no, you can't go out stomping and slam the door on the way out. Ah. That is not a good exit. Wow. And number three. All right, number three. Let's get my sweat cloth away. All right, here we go. Let the critic finish what they are saying to you. Oftentimes when somebody points out something in our life, we want to interrupt them and speak over them. They tell us that the average Canadian listens for 17 seconds before they offer a rebuttal. So ask yourself, do you allow your critic to finish what they have to say? Because self-defensive interruptions could choke off the real message that the Holy Spirit could be speaking through that person to your spirit. And you deny that person the whole story and what they need to share. So when he or she appears to be through with sharing what they came to tell you, Ask them this question, is there anything else on your heart that you need to say to me? Better to take all the punches, one, two, three, four, <laughs> than just one at a time. You know what I'm saying? And so James 1.19 says this, be quick to listen. Quick to listen. My mom used to say, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much as what you speak. Yes, eh? right. And 1 Peter 5.5 5 says, God sets himself up against the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. So listen long, talk short. Amen? Rule four. 
ask for evidence upon which the criticism is based. You may discover that their criticism is just based on rumor or hearsay. So if the critic's evidence is adequate and their conclusions are valid, he's done you a favor. Thank them for their insights. However, if the critic's evidence is insufficient or you find out that it, it's just uh, um, somebody's guess, then you will obviously then look at the criticism in different ways. You may want to ask some more leading questions and say, is what I hear you saying, and paraphrase it, because maybe you haven't heard their criticism properly. So ask for evidence upon which their criticism is based. Then rule number five. Ask questions of yourself and let the criticism be a source of learning for you. Ask yourself when somebody comes to you with a criticism, what is the Lord trying to say through this person to me? Maybe they're saying it in a bad tone of voice or maybe they're accusatory, but ask the question, what is the Lord trying to say to me through this criticism? Because you know what? God knew in advance that that person was going to come to speak to you at that moment. Is that true? Right? And God may have been trying to get your attention and my attention for a long time. And so that negative critic may be God's last resort to flag us down and to give us a chance to change our ways. And I found that when a prophet speaks to me, whew, I know that God has spoken and I listen with large ears, right? So take those thoughts, meditate on them. And don't spend time justifying your behavior, excusing or rationalizing that area of weakness in life. Just say, Lord, thank you that you love me enough to point out this weakness in my life. And then I'm going to process it in his time. John Maxwell used to say, critics are my best friends. Because most often, they really help me do something better. They will point out blind spots that I haven't seen. And even though sometimes they may not say it in the nicest tone of voice, when I take a step back, I think, you know what? That's something the next time I do that presentation, I'm going to do it better. Proverbs 1.10 says, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. After the conversation, write down the main points of what the person said so you can actually analyze it and process it. Go over it and ask yourself, now, what parts of this was really helpful? And agree with the parts that obviously maybe are true. And at times uh, say, well, I'm not sure that's quite dead on. But what I'm saying is look at their words with a very open mind, asking the Lord, help me to process this in the way that you want. Proverbs 28, 13 says, a man who refuses to admit, admit mistakes will never be successful. Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. So think of your critics as one of your best friends. Rule six, determine whether the critic has revealed needs based on his criticism. Ask yourself, what is this person really saying? Are they identifying perhaps some self-esteem issues, some jealousy, they're insecure, they're threatened by you? It isn't always the case, but sometimes it is. I'll give you an example. Early in our pastoring, uh, we were in Devon, and this one lady came to me one day and she said, Ruth, I find you to be a real show-off and very prideful. I thought, oh, okay. So I said, you know, Anne, what would cause you to say that? Like, how have I come across that way? And she said, well, 
I find that every Sunday you have a different outfit on. And I feel that you're flaunting your wardrobe and, you know, trying to show off. Well, what I explained to her was, I worked uh, as a single gal at Central Tabernacle in Edmonton. as a CE director for many years. And back in those days, you had to wear a dress every day to work. There were no pants. That was just ungodly, apparently. Anyways, so over the course of that eight years, I had bought like one or two outfits or skirts, you know, regularly, which, I mean, wasn't uh, unusual. But now I moved to Devon, and I've got this closet full of stuff, some of which is eight to ten years old. So every Sunday, I was digging from the back of my closet. I hadn't bought anything new. I was digging from the back of my closet, this dress and that dress. And yes, did it appear like it was new every week, but she didn't know that this was some treasures I'd had for quite some time. But when she said that, I heard her words, and I explained that to her. I said, look, I'm not out shopping every week, coming to church to say, oh, look at my new outfit. But I asked the Lord, what's really the issue here? Was it about clothes? Or was she telling me that she had a self-esteem issue? She didn't like herself, as I found out earlier or later as I got to know her. She had a very low self-esteem. She had very little affirmation in her upbringing. And so when I realized that, It really wasn't about my clothes. It was about her exposing a little area of her heart that was hurting. And so I made it my business to go out of my way to compliment Anne every time I came to church about her clothes, about her hair, about her outfit, because I didn't take the comments about me being a show-off with my clothes personally. I chose to look beneath. So sometimes even when your husband or your kids say something to you that seems really hurtful, Ask yourself, is this really a cry for help? Are they hurting in some way? And do I need to take a step back and determine what the real needs are? So when she criticized you, it was really a source of learning that you got to know Anne better you know, when she criticized you about you dressing with a new outfit every day. Absolutely. All right. Numbers, rule seven, externalize the criticism. Try not to take the criticism personally. When somebody comes at you with a criticism, Don't let your heart be involved at that moment. What do I mean by that? You need to keep your feelings distant from that which that person has just expressed to you and detach from that criticism emotionally and try to process their words as if there's a second person standing beside you at that moment. Look at that criticism objectively and let them attack, uh, you know, the, the issue and not your ego. You understand what I'm saying? That it won't affect your self-worth when this person says this. It won't attack your identity, especially your identity in Christ. So don't assume that they don't like you when they criticize you. Say, okay, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to take time to write it down. And I'm going to process it. And I'll listen to the true feelings. And uh, if it doesn't apply to me, I'm just going to rip that paper up and say, Lord, I'm handing that over to you. Right? And so you want to see the words from their point of view and not personalize it in your own life. Externalize the criticism. Rule eight. Listen to all criticism, but then as you process it, consider the source. A a good biblical example of this is in the life of Nehemiah. Let me read what the scripture says. Then Sanballat sent a servant to me, as before, the, the fifth time with an open letter in his hand, and in it it was written, it is reported 
among the nations and Geshem, saying that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall so that you may be king. Then Nehemiah wrote him back and said, no such thing as you are saying is being done, but you invent those things in your mind because you're trying to make us afraid. So what did Nehemiah realize? That some of the criticism he was getting, it was bogus. He wasn't trying to rebuild the wall to become their king. And he identified it even the way he said it. According to the rumors, it's reported. Well, you know what? Not everything that's in rumors or reported is true. And so we have to consider the source. Is this person important to you? Do you value their opinion? Is this a person who is a constant gossip, a naysayer, a critic of everyone, loves to shoot off their mouth? So sometimes when you listen to the criticism, you need to consider the source and say, hmm, is this really a, a legitimate source of information or should I take it with a grain of salt? I think you know what I mean. Proverbs 26, 4 says, do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you become like him. Then the second last rule, follow up with positive action. After accepting the criticism of an individual graciously and your emotions have settled down, accept responsibility personally by making the changes you need to make, right? Own your, up, own, own your own mistakes and, and also apologize if necessary yes. that this person has brought something to your attention that you have a weakness in. You know, weakness doesn't mean that, that you are a failure. No, we all have weaknesses. I mean, in this house doesn't have weaknesses. Let me see your hand. Oh, there's one right there. Wow, you are a one in a million, brother. No, he, he, didn't, he wasn't answering teasing. the question. I know, he was only teasing me. Okay, but you know what I'm saying? Is you're going to make a commitment to say, I need to seek advice and I need to commit myself to changing who I can, myself. Right on. And lastly, adjust your attitude. You can all do all of these 10 rules, but if somehow you get a bad attitude, your attitude is going to determine whether this criticism is actually going to be helpful. So again, we said, look at criticism as a chance to grow. Lord, you brought this person into my life. I'm listening. What can I glean from it? You don't want to, like Simon said, internalize it. Nobody likes me and I'm a failure. No, no, no. Don't go down that depressive road. Adjust your attitude and realize that, that um, this person is trying to help you, hopefully. Don't harbor a grudge or harbor anger. Where does that get you? It just, it just makes the problem even worse. So remember... That criticism may well be the key to your future spiritual and emotional growth. What is wrong with that? And then Proverbs 15 says, He who listens to life-giving reproof will be among the wise and will acquire understanding. Who doesn't want that? Yes. A scripture also says, Proverbs 9, Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. All right, please stand. Let's read out loud the 10 rules for receiving constructive negative criticism. Not clicking? My flattery is bad. I mean, my battery is flat. Uh-oh. There we go. Okay, number one. 
Pray. Number two. Beware of becoming defensive. Number three. Let the critic finish. Number four. Ask for evidence upon which the criticism is based. Number five. Ask questions of yourself. Let it be a source of learning. Number six. Determine if the critic has needs expressed by the criticism. Number seven. Externalize the criticism. Number eight. Ignore some criticism. Consider the source. Number nine. Follow up with positive action. And number 10. Adjust your attitude. Okay, have a seat and turn to a partner and say, what was the most important part of that teaching for me? What's the take home? What am I going to remember? So each of you share one or two things. We'll give you a moment. And then we're going to ask a few of you to share what your take home was. Okay? Talk to your partner. Okay, is there a couple or three people who want to share what was the take home for them? What was the uh, a point that you'd say, hey, that's something I need to remember? Anybody? Want to volunteer? Good. I knew you would. <laughs> um, I think a big one is like to think before speaking. And then the other one for me was if a criticism is coming my way, not to take it personally to my character, but really think that through and ask all the right questions. Um, just like you said, the step-by-step -step thing and uh, not to be overly sensitive in my reaction to what somebody says. Awesome. Somebody else? Okay, perfect. Yeah, what I got out of it, or what stuck with me most was uh, first pray, and secondly, consider the source and uh, give it all the credit it's due. Okay, somebody else. Oh, wait, the back. All right. I guess it's being quiet is the biggest one, uh, waiting for them to finish and then not being well, not taking it personally, but also uh, even when somebody has given me criticism in my back of my mind, I'm already set going defensively. Uh, one of my bosses, especially. Right. I'll listen to my boss, but in the back of my mind, I'm already preparing my argument. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people are that. Yes, yes, we all do that. Sometimes before the person even finishes, we've already got our rebuttal ready. And sometimes that's a good rebuttal, and sometimes it isn't. One more. Anybody else? Did I see a hand over here? Oh, great. 
timing is a big one. Absolutely. Absolutely. You pick the wrong time, the wrong place, that can right away put a wall up and, and the person just isn't able to hear because you just caught them off guard. Excellent point. Well, good. I hope you all take some meat home or some point that will help you better this week. Now, in conclusion, I want to give you a huge tip, and I want you to write this down. Who wants to know the secret of avoiding all criticism? Anybody interested in knowing that? So you never have to worry about criticism again? Yes, yes, I know. You're with bated breath. The answer to that question is do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. And if you're willing to do those three things, you will never have criticism again. But guess what? I don't intend to do any of those. How about you? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, just like this match, criticism can be very constructive, or if, like the knife, it can be used in a constructive way by a surgeon to cut out cancer, but it can also be used in a very hurtful, in a, a loveless way, so let's ask the Lord this week that whether we're on the receiving end or the giving end, that we're going to process this natural phenomena that we all experience in a God-honoring way. I'm actually going to pray that the Lord is going to let you practice this this week. I'm a school teacher, so I always like to give homework. And the homework is, Lord... May these people in this audience either have a chance to receive or give criticism, and they will then have a chance to actually practice what we've talked about today. So if you get an uh, a abundance of criticism this week, just say, oh, Ruth prayed this on me. She's the one who asked the Lord to give me some practice. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We're so thankful that it's practical. It helps us live life from Monday to Sunday. That it's not just a Sunday religion. It helps us with our kids, with our employers, with our employees, with our church family. We can apply your word in so many situations. And so, Lord, thank you for the excellent word that, that the Proverbs that we shared so many this morning of gives us clear direction on how to, in a God-honoring way, to give criticism and to receive it in a way that will be pleasing to you. And so, Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning that as perhaps this week, they have a chance to practice it, that these points will come to their remembrance and they will um, process this criticism in a way that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good week. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.